0: Thank you for joining us for this podcast from the 9th Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our podcast with others. Now we take you to the pulpit of the 9th Avenue Church of Christ.
1: Good morning and once again. I want to encourage you to get your Bibles out and turn back to Ephesians chapter 3. Turn back to Ephesians chapter 3 as we continue our series on our identity through the book of Ephesians. I want you to know that I had this series planned for this time frame anyway, and when we went into this kind of shutdown mode, I very much was challenged with should I continue with this series, or should I go with something a little bit different that's maybe more appropriate to the times that we're in. But the more that I studied through the book of Ephesians, and I thought about that idea of identity, the more I realized that maybe this was the most important study that we could do together, because I think so many people connect their Christian identity with, for a lack of better phrase, going to church. Their Christianity is contingent on those just couple of hours a week. And what happens to our Christianity? What happens to our relationship with God? What happens to our identity? When we take those few hours that we're usually at the church building and we we just take them away. Are you still able to live your Christian life? Are you still able to be Christ followers? Do you still feel connected to each other even if it is just in the spirit? So I felt like it was so important to maybe continue down this road and remind ourselves that our identity is not tied to a place. But rather, it is connected to a Savior. And we need to remember that. And I believe this study gives us the ability to be reminded of that every week. So Ephesians chapter 3 is where we're going to, to get back into. We're about halfway through with this particular study. And I'm hoping, oh, I'm hoping that the last two lessons of this series, we get to be together. In person, because I believe they will be just so much more powerful in person than they will uh, in 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 this particular type of format. But as, as we continue today, if you remember last week, we started in chapter three and verse one, and he says this: "For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles." And I made the comment that you kind of maybe see a little ADD in Paul. Which is great with me because I struggle with that all the time. And if Paul had that, boy, it would make me feel a lot better about myself. But it's like he starts this thought and then he goes off in another direction. And he talks about the unity of the body. But then as you get back down to verse 14 where we're going to start today. You see that he he uses that same phrasing that he uses in verse 1. For this reason. And now he's going to continue his thought. So as we break this section down that Danny so greatly read for us just a few moments ago, we're going to see that Paul makes um, some request. Paul makes some requests for us as Christians and, and, and as Gentile Christians in particular. And we're going to break these down. I'm calling today's lesson Free Refills. And you're going to see this at the end, this idea of, of why that, that that phrase, that title, is so important. But let's look at the very first request. The very first request. His first request is that as Christians, we will be strengthened with power. That we will be strengthened with power. Now, let's, let's look at verses 16 and 17 together. He's saying, this is why he's kneeling down, so he can make these requests. He says, I pray... That out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you will be rooted and established in love. So Paul's first request, his first request is for us to be strengthened. And that idea of being strengthened it begins with an affirmation first of from us and from Paul um, towards God's ability, towards God's resources, to the idea that God hears our prayers and then He acts and answers our prayers. And he asked that out of his glorious riches that he would hear this prayer and answer it and give us strength. And it's a statement, I believe, that is so powerful about God's nature and his capacity to to answer and respond to our requests. And it reminds ourselves of who God is and that he is big enough and strong enough to deal with every event That may happen in the world around us. God's resources are abundant. They are limitless even. And we need, as we pray, to be reminded of who it is that we approach and ask things of. And what God is capable of doing in response to our prayers. But now the next phrase is really the meat of the request. He prays (laughs) that we will be strengthened with power. A prayer for strengthening for strengthening, kind of gives the idea that we need it, doesn't it? That in fact, without God, we are weak. I want you to say that with me this morning. Without God, I am weak. Just repeat that phrase. Because most of the time, most of the time, I don't think we feel that way. Most of the time, I think we like to... Feel like we have control, like we uh, have the power to to make things happen or not happen. We have the ability to make our own money. We have the ability to solve our own problems. I believe over the last few weeks, though, we've been reminded that there's some limitations to our own power. There's some limitations to the things that we're able to do and that we're not able to do. And I think it's important for us to remember that in our own sinful nature, we are weak. Now, we don't like to talk about that because weakness in our culture, in our society, it's supposed to be avoided at all costs. And if we're not careful, when we have that attitude, it keeps us from developing relationships. And relationships are so important, but relationships are truly built on what we're able to give and take from each other. When I need something from you, you are able to help me with it and give me the strength that I really, really need. Our message as Christians is that we need a Savior. And secondly is that we need each other to live obediently to our Savior. And I believe knowing that we are weak ...can be a good thing. It causes people to ask questions... ...to seek some hope and comfort beyond themselves. In short, us accepting our weakness... ...can allow others to become closer to Christ. And so Paul prays that we would be strengthened... ...in the face of our weakness... ...by none other than the power of God... And as we work through the rest of this prayer, we see that power is one of the major themes. In all three specific requests, it all comes back to the idea of the power of God. Now, just to touch on these, the rest of these ideas very briefly on this verse, there are two parallel phrases that I believe flesh out this prayer of power. The first is that through, through His Spirit in your inner being, and secondly, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. The point is clear. Paul is praying that the strength and power would be something we each experience in a powerful and spiritual way directly from God. And I believe that is a prayer that we need for our family during this difficult time. But let's look at the second idea here, the second request that Paul makes. And maybe the request that is the most challenging at times for us to truly comprehend. And that is that we grasp the extent of God's love. That we grasp the extent of God's love. Let's pick back up in verse 17. And read through verse 19. He says, And I pray that you being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and know that this love surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Once again, the idea of power is in a very prominent place Paul recognizes that it will take this kind of power to show the true extent, to reveal the true extent of God's love. And we'll talk more about that in a moment. But first, notice the clause that follows. He says, together with all the saints. I was intrigued to learn that this isn't simply a request for inclusiveness. That what Paul is praying is that you and I, would know God's love and that we would know God's love together. That we would know God's love together. There is so much more to God's love and experiencing God's love than just an individual relationship. He expects us to live in community. Have you ever noticed how when you've prayed something to God... And you've asked God to help you with something, to give you strength in a certain moment, to find the ability to overcome, that a lot of times, I'm not going to say every time, but I would believe the majority of times, God answers that prayer by sending someone to you. He answers that prayer by giving you a relationship with someone that's able to come in And give you that encouragement, give you that shoulder to lean on, have someone to pray with, to to, to just pour yourself into and have them help you as they guide you through those difficult moments. That's how God works. And why is that? Why is that? Well, I believe it's found in the idea so that we would grasp, so that we would understand, so that we would know how wide and long and deep And high is the love of God, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Now, the poetic kind of nature here kind of heightens the appreciation for the extent, I believe, of Paul's love, and that is that it is wider and longer and deeper and higher than you could ever imagine. And though it surpasses understanding, Paul prays that we would know it. And all this language leads us to conclude that Paul is not praying that we would simply understand it in our minds, but that we would understand it in our hearts and that that would push us to live a life of love towards everyone that we meet in the name of God. Love is a powerful thing, even our own love for one another. And when we stop and reflect on the love of God, we begin to see how great how far greater his love is and how powerful his love is. But let, let me address something here because it's one thing that, that's, it's a great thing to talk about the love of God. But I believe that everybody at some point in their life maybe struggles with what I call a why question. If God loves us so much, then Why? Does He allow bad things to happen? If God loves us so much, then why does He allow us to suffer at times? And my first response to those type of questions is is to affirm that there are times that I believe those questions need to be asked. As you're working through your own faith, as you're working out your salvation, there are going to be times that you question why does God do things In a certain way. As a matter of fact, we love Psalms chapter 23, don't we? But if you back up into Psalms chapter 22, as powerful and great and as in love with God as David is in chapter 23 of Psalms, in chapter 22, he's asking God, Why? Why are you far from me? Why are you not listening to me? Why, 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 why? So if God is so loving, why does he allow certain things? To happen? I believe that's a fair question as we develop our faith. And I don't have all the answers. But I do want to give you some thoughts this morning. And the first thought is this. When you ask why, I understand that God grieves when bad things happen. God grieves at death. He hates death. He hates it so much that he sent his own son to this earth. To die so that death wouldn't be the end, so that death would not have victory, so that we as children of God would have life beyond the grave. God hates death that much. Second, and and here is the part that's maybe difficult to understand God is sovereign. And God will work through evil. God will work through death. God will work through tragedy and challenges to make sure that his will is still accomplished. God has power to accomplish his will in the most difficult of times and circumstances. And this means that we're not always going to understand why certain things have happened. We're not going to always see how God is working through those moments but we can accept through faith that he can and that he will. And the third thing is this. Life is fragile. And in Christ, we have confidence of eternal life. And God cares. I want you to listen to this. Would you come a little bit closer and listen to this this morning? God cares more about our eternal life than we care about our temporary life. Did you follow that? God cares more for our eternal life than we care for our temporary life. And I think that's an important thing for us to remember because I don't know about you. My temporary life is something I pay a lot of attention to. It's something that I'm greatly concerned about. In the last couple of weeks, we've been greatly concerned about our temporary life, about our well-being of our health, about our mental well-being. We've been concerned about our children, whether or not they're going to be able to go back to school or not. and If they're not going to go back to school for five more months, how's that going to affect them? If they're not going to go back to school for five more months, good grief, how's that going to affect me day in and day out? We worry about our temporary life to a great, great, great measure. But God is more concerned about our eternal life than we are our temporary life. And let us always remember that. But now let's shift gears here and let me ask you this question. If you know about God's love and you know about how powerful God It can be. Has it changed your life? Has it truly changed your life? You know, we're all quick to point out that at our core, and I've already touched on this, that at our core, we are unlovable. That we have failed and disappointed God in in our own sinful nature. And some people hold on to that and say, "I, I can't move beyond that. But let me respond to that from Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners. While we were disappointing. While we were not worthy. While we were useless. While we were unlovable. While we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. Make that more personal. While you were a sinner while you were worthless and not worthy christ still died for you yes we're unlovable in our own sinful nature but that's irrelevant god loves us anyway god loves us powerfully and god proved that through christ never forget that let's go on to our final request here and it's a fairly simple one a fairly simple request Picking up at the end of verse 19. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. His request is that we will be filled with God. Hence the name of the lesson. Free refills. And it's simple. He just prays that we will be filled. But not just a little bit. Not just half full. Not even full to the top. But rather full to the measure of the fullness of god i think of it this way i think of it in the way of you putting a glass as you see on your screen under flowing water and that that glass is not just full, but it full it is overflowing that yes it's full but there's more in it than can be held so that water just overflows out of it and you see that's such a great request the request is that we will be filled completely with the love of God and that we will be so full of it that as we're living our life, it just overflows out of us. That in your marriage, the love of God just overflows out into your marriage and that you're able to love each other and overcome things together because of the power of the love of God. That in your dealings with your children, the love of God overflows out of you. That in your dealing with your co-worker or your students, or your, your your mom or your dad or whoever it might be, that the love of God is poured into you and that it just overflows. Is the love of God doing that in your life? That's a challenging question, isn't it? And maybe it's even more challenging when you go back and maybe replay the events of last week in your mind. And you ask yourself, in these moments, did God's love just overflow out of me? In, in all of my challenging circumstances, did the love of God overflow out of me? I can tell you that that question challenges me. Because when I look backwards, I realize that that's not always the case. I'm not going to ever be perfect in that way. But you know what? I can be a lot better I could be a lot more loving. I could be a lot more understanding. I could be a lot more patient with people. I need to allow this love to overflow out of me every opportunity that I get. Now, Paul prays for these great and amazing things. He prays that we would be strengthened with power, that we would know the extent of God's love, and that we would be filled. And we need those things, especially now we need those things to be central in our identity. But now, there's a couple of more verses here that I want us to close with. We're not going to expound on them because I don't think they need great explanation. And and if you're like me, and not many people are, but some people are, if you're a fan of acapella, these verses have been in your in your mind for years and years because it is the words to one of acapella's. Probably one of their their greatest hits, starting in verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Let us close in prayer with those thoughts in our mind. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for a chance to be with you, to be gathered together in spirit and in truth this morning. God, I pray that we are able to be filled to the measure of fullness of you. And that we remember that you are able to do more than we can ever imagine or ask Because your powerful is great and mighty. God, I just pray that in these moments of challenging times, that we will continue to allow our identity to be based in you and in what you give us. I thank you, God, for the opportunity to just be called your son. And I pray that I never take that for granted. God, I know that there are those struggling during this time. That Satan has used this this moment of isolation to keep us away from each other. And it has affected our, our, our fellowship with one another, God. And I just pray that you be with those that are struggling with that today. That you give them a sense of peace, a sense of understanding. And help them to realize that the time that we're going to be together is coming upon us very soon. And may they draw strength and comfort from that. Thank you for all that you give us. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.
0: There is a God. There is a God. If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on Apple Podcast or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. Our Sunday worship services are at 10.30 a.m. and 6 o'clock p.m. with Bible classes on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again, and until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for our community.